And here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, June the 3rd, in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're continuing our study right now on CFW Walther's Law and Gospel Principles. Last time we spoke, we were dealing with thesis number three. To rightly distinguish law and gospel is the most difficult and highest Christian art, and for theologians in particular, it is taught only by the Holy Spirit in combination with experience. It was during the time of 1884 that C.F.W. Walter began a series of lectures, 39 evening lectures, and that's what we're going through. We just finished lecture number six last time. We're moving into number seven. There's 25 different theses about, first of all, what is the difference between law and gospel, and 21 of them about the confusions. So, thesis three indicates that to rightly distinguish law and gospel is the most difficult and highest Christian art. And for theologians in particular, it is taught only by the Holy Spirit in combination with experience. So the seventh evening lecture begins November the 7th, 1894. And uh, he had had a, a week off, so two weeks ago he said he had shared with them Luther's statement that apart from the Holy Spirit, nobody can properly distinguish law and gospel. And Martin Luther declared himself to be nothing but a feeble beginner in this exalted and glorious art. Now remember, C.F.W. Walther is talking to seminarians, and you might get the impression that it was his intention to depress and discourage seminarians from becoming pastors. But he doesn't want to do that at all. No, he wants to make it clear that even if Luther could not acquire this art perfectly, it still can be acquired to a great degree through the power of the Holy Spirit. And during the seventh evening lecture, November 7th, 1894, he's going to give some examples. One of the points he makes is you can even be a poorly gifted student of theology and yet will be able to divide law and gospel properly. What does that mean? Well, first-year seminary students do not know doctrine in depth as they should. That's why they often spend four years at the seminary. After this seminary experience, they get to know the doctrine. But what C.F.W. Walther is talking about is how to distinguish law and gospel can come pretty early in a student's understanding, particularly if they have been struck by the law. In fact, he makes the point that you can be talking about a more talented and knowledgeable person 
who could be tempted to self-esteem and self-reliance. And he actually makes matters worse. Remember, C.F.W. Walther is a student of theological history. There was a man named Chrysostom. Now, even though his first name was John, they always referred to him as the golden-mouthed one because he had the gift of being able to do with an audience whatever he pleased. He could make them glad or sad, wail, weep, and sob according to his uh, pleasure. But C.F.W. Walter makes the point that he accomplished very little because he was poor at distinguishing law and gospel. We've been hearing a lot of maybe that kind of uh, golden mouth preaching during the time of this Chinese virus. You turn on television, you hear a guy doing a sermon, and he sure sounds pretty good. But that doesn't mean that he is properly distinguishing law and gospel. So Chrysostom was one individual. Another individual was a man who was a very good scheme caller, uh, keen scholar, Andreas Osiander. Originally, he was able to distinguish law and gospel superbly, and we'll explain what that means. But he soon became proud of his splendid gifts and great knowledge. And he became totally blind in judgment of himself. For example, here's one thing he taught that did not properly distinguish law and gospel. He said, people become righteous in the sight of God, not by the righteousness that Christ acquires for them, but by the indwelling of Christ's divine righteousness. Now, why is that a terrible thing to say? Because people will start looking within themselves, well, how divinely righteous am I? And when they see that they are not as righteous as they thought they were, then they begin to worry that God doesn't consider them to be righteous. But a Christian is not considered by God to be righteous because of his righteous good works, but because of the righteousness of Christ that was given to him, specifically in baptism. So Walter does something that we need to remember. There can be many good scholars in different denominations, good preachers, people like listening to them, but they are not able to divide law and gospel very well. And therefore, they are not really good preachers. And we're going to look at some examples of why it is so important that theologians understand the proper distinction between law and gospel, which Walther and Luther agree is the highest and most difficult skill in other words, you can have an individual who may not have many degrees behind his name and yet can apply law and gospel properly. What does that mean? 
he can understand the status of an individual. And we're talking about a spiritual status. Is this person proud that he has saved himself? Or is he humble knowing that Christ has saved him? And that's a huge difference. And therefore, even a common pastor can make those distinctions very, very important. And therefore, can be great at preaching proper law and gospel without having real in-depth knowledge of doctrine. You see, nobody is able to do this by nature. You cannot find a religion in the world that has a distinction between law and gospel, such as Christianity. Every religion in the world teaches you're saved by the righteousness within you, by how good you are. So, in talking to these seminarians, the first item that one is looking for in a tried and true pastor is that the person is a Christian. In other words, he can present the doctrines of Scripture well enough. But can he also understand his people in order to give them what they need? I've heard sermons where a pastor is talking about, say, the doctrine of the Trinity. And he gives a pretty good explanation of why we believe there's a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. But the person who's sitting in the pew, who just found out that their child, their daughter is pregnant out of wedlock, or that their son is on drugs, they are not helped by such a sermon at all. They may have a pretty good idea now of why we preach the Trinity, but they have not been touched by law or gospel. So one of the things a pastor needs to distinguish is not only when the Bible is talking about law and when the Bible is talking about gospel, but he's also supposed to be able to distinguish when he is facing a hypocrite versus a true Christian. One of the ways in which you know that a pastor is properly preaching law and gospel is not by an hearing an objective presentation of various doctrines. And you could say, wow, he knows all about the Trinity. He knows all about what justification is. He knows all about the history of Jesus Christ. That's not sufficient. What is sufficient is for the pastor to understand the people to whom he is speaking so that he might be able to provide the objective doctrines in a way that, on the one hand, make them afraid of God's wrath. That's proper preaching of the law. And when they get to that despairing point, then gospel is preached. And therefore, even though under the law they look very terrible to themselves, 
before Almighty God, in light of hearing the gospel, boy, they say, that is wonderful. See, there are certain things pastors say that really are great confusions between law and gospel. For example, it would be incorrect for a pastor to say, if a person is afraid of dying, he is not a child of God. Now, very few Christians are not afraid of dying because the devil gets in their heads that they're not good enough to go to heaven. But that doesn't mean that they are not Christian because they're afraid of dying. I've had a number of opportunities when a individual learned that, well, we have incurable cancer, and yet they were afraid of dying until they heard the message of the gospel and realized that they weren't going from a place here on earth to a worse place, but a far better place. Uh, another way of confusing law and gospel, Walther says, is to speak before worldly people about the blessed state of being a Christian. Boy, ever since I became a Christian, everything is going right in my life. That is wrong to say. Christians, they are addressed by the devil in many ways, and many a time, things may not be going right in their life. And so when you tell a Christian that, well, you're a Christian, if you're living in a blessed state, that's an error. You could have a loved one who is sick or a loved one who died, an accident occur, or losing your home. All kinds of things go on to Christians, which means another way of misstating who a Christian is is by saying, oh, Christians are exceedingly happy people. If that becomes the message in your sermon, then that is really going to hurt people who do not appear to be happy all the time. You see, being happy, being positive, isn't necessarily coming from a Christian standpoint. People are born with a positive attitude, and they feel happy. And others, boy, they're not born with such an attitude. So to say that you are God's beloved child if you are always happy is wrong because you're putting a burden on people to help them to see they're a Christian when that is not one of the criteria for becoming a Christian. Then you've got another statement. And in this evening lecture, C.F.W. Walther does a number of statements. Anyone sinning deliberately and knowingly will fall from grace. See, that's a horrible thing to say. It's not that God loves when we sin deliberately and knowingly. 
But Christians do that all the time. You may hear somebody has spoken ill against you, and now you want to get even with them. You're sinning deliberately. You're falling from grace. But it doesn't mean that you are no longer a Christian. Because what will happen is you can repent of that and return to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Another, and this was a problem at the time after Luther died, good works are not necessary. Only faith is necessary. Now, when you hear that, it will drive some Christians to say, oh, I don't have to do any good works then. Well, it's true. You don't have to do any good works in order to be saved. Only faith, believing the promises of the gospel, saves you. So it would be more correct to say good works are not necessary to obtain salvation. But because of my love for Jesus Christ, I remain on the road to heaven because he wills us to do good works. Another statement that can be misunderstood. Sin does not harm a Christian. Now, on the one hand, that is really correct. When you are forgiven, sin cannot harm you. But if you say that in such a way that a person hearing you thinks that therefore he can sin all he wants and nothing will happen, he's in trouble. CFW Walther brings up the individual Agadeus Hunius. He heard in a worship service, there is one sin that cannot be forgiven, and that is a sin against the Holy Spirit. And like a dagger, it went into his heart. In fact, he believed he had committed that sin, and as a result, even planned to commit suicide. But then he read a devotional written by Master Spangenberg, and what he said was this. In particular, it said that the person who commits the sin of the Holy Spirit would not be saved unless he was willing to repent before his dying day. And that changed the attitude of Hunius totally. Another way in which pastors can really mess you up They may say, a pastor must treat any person as a Christian if he appears to be one, but not all unbelievers are alike. Some unbelievers have a very positive attitude about life. It has nothing to do with Christianity. It's just the way that they were born. And so when you look at such a person and you say, well, he must be a Christian, because he has such a positive attitude, then you might not be properly giving the law, accusing him of falling short of the glory of God. The greatest difficulty in dealing with true Christians is really to look at their true spiritual 
condition. What does that mean? You can meet a person and you're really not sure what is their true spiritual condition. They may have a very positive temperament, and therefore you may jump to the conclusion this is a person who is really pretty good at being a Christian, when in reality he's just acting the way he normally does by nature. And so a pastor has to take a look at human temperaments. If you find someone with a sunny trait, does that mean they're a Christian? Not necessarily. It could be just because they have a positive attitude. So that the sermon needs to preach the law, even to Christians with sunny attitudes, lest you get their temperament mixed up with their standing as a Christian. Now, when you preach the law, and that is a preaching, some people have a sunny attitude because they think they're so good in good works that, oh boy, God sure loves me. I deserve to be saved. Such a person needs to hear the law. No, you are not of that nature. You fall short of the glory of God. And therefore, this sounds strange, but in a proper sermon talking to sunny attitude Christians, you are to get them in despair of their good works as a means of salvation. And when they realize they're in despair, it's then that you give them the gospel that Jesus has taken those sins over which they are afraid of right now and forgiven them. And we've talked quite a bit about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the gift of no longer being held accountable for sin. So what we've seen in this seventh evening lecture by C.F.W. Walther is, number one, for a pastor to be a proper pastor, he not only needs to hear the doctrines and teach them properly, but also to understand the human beings in his congregation. And therefore, he is to preach law, to help people realize their need for a Savior, and then give lots of gospel so they thank God for what he has done. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Wes Reinitz, we're going to be talking about what's happening in the country right now in light of riots, etc., and give a Lutheran perspective to these items. Join with us on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. On KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.